don't know if you like me or you don't like me. I'm just trying to get along here. Every time I walk by, I wonder if you're going to be nice to me or cruel. Cruel. I'm cracking up that we're doing this. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. What a rut. 1960, I am so over you. Welcome to They Coined It. Hi, Dan. Hey, Roberta. Hi, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for a long weekend. How about you? Are we done with the Hi, Dan, Hi, Roberta game yet? Because it was, I liked it. (laughs) No. Never ends. Hi, Dan. Um, yeah, well, yes. Listen, I went, I saw a bear. Okay, this is funny, <laughs> Dan. So I went, speaking of long weekends, uh, today is Saturday morning. And yesterday I went to the Poconos for one day in, which is not a thing you do. I'm up in, uh, I'm up in near New York City and you just, that's not a thing you do. And a bear walked by. We were all hanging out outside. <laughs> And this big, a large black bear, he just sort of lumbered past us. And I'm out there, like, getting video. And every, and my sisters were all like, get inside. It was very, and then my other sister went out and got more video. A bear walked by. So, um. Was Pete Campbell there writing a short story for I mean, that's, Highlights Magazine about, or Boys Life Magazine <laughs> about? This definitely was more the Highlights version, like. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what do you see in this picture? No, it was, I definitely thought of, I definitely <laughs> thought of that. And it was, um, you know, I think he was looking for sandwiches. He, apparently he wait, makes his way over to the dumpster is what security said. But anyway. That's what bears do. <laughs> a bear's just being a bear. Hey, listen, thanks for all the Twitter love. We've been getting, we've been having some, uh, I know Dan, you've seen, there's been some debating. There's been some like little back and forth on plot points and, and, our, ta- we love it. our takes are not always agreed with, and we love it. We love it. It's awesome. Keep it up. We're getting it. Uh, we're getting emails. We've got, I, I know there's some, I'm not on Reddit, but I know there's a Reddit board that, that um, is giving us some love. Yeah, just chime in. Listen, agree with us? Well, that's what we prefer, but we don't always agree with each other, right? Like this show is, again, <laughs> we've said it from the beginning. The show is open for interpretation. We invite you to, to, uh, tweet when you love us when you love us and still disagree with us all that every thoughtful takes a good take that's that's what matters that's what we're saying except for the really dumb ones anyway there's you know <laughs> long weekend written by bridget bedard andre and maria jacquemitan and matthew weiner the director was tim hunter the original air date was september 27th my father's birthday 2007 it takes place clearly on september 2nd that Friday evening on uh, uh, in nineteen sixty. Yes. So I like that it's your father's birthday. It's um, father's is is definitely one of the themes for sure. As is you know the increasing uh, advancement of age. I mean yeah. that's clearly yeah <laughs> what's catching up with everybody. I think you and I had a really different experience watching this. So mm. what what was your where where were you with it? So, yeah, so this one didn't have the same sort of storytelling um, techniques or or I didn't feel that it was in the same flow or, or, or rhythm as a lot of other episodes, but no less entertaining and no less well-written and all the rest. So 
Yeah, I found this one a little different, harder to grasp, but but all good. Yeah, I so uh I found it to be incredibly moving in many, many ways. Um quite emotionally potent. Um I I have a harder time I think than you in uh this podcast doing the 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 exercise of doing this podcast for me is an exercise in find the themes. We've never done an episode where we're like here's the th-. we've made an effort to not be sequential in our descriptions, right? It's not this scene then the next scene then here's what well, happened. Well, you can't because we're, things connect Not with this Yeah, show. you because things right. connect too, too much. It is rare. So for me, I didn't struggle with this one as not having um, easily identifying strong. Yeah, it, it seemed to be to me a little more straightforward. This this seemed like most other most great Mad Men episodes don't feel like any other show that's ever been made in the history of television. This one felt like a little more straightforward, like other shows. Still better, but was a little more typical. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah. Format and rhythm for me. It didn't hit me that way at all. To me, this show is very the essence of Mad Men. So let's get into it. Yeah. I think where to start is is this idea of of you saw some fathers and particularly fathers and daughters, and then there was a lot about age, mm. age and youth. So we meet Jean and Gloria. We meet Betty's father, and you know he's John McCain. As far as I can tell. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he does have that look. Um, the first thing we see is Betty mothering him, really, with the with the no daddy, you can't have the sugar. Betty's being really angry and right and, and not like rage, not like the deep kind of rage that'll cause your hand to go numb, but just like the kind of um, petty anger at daddy's got a new girlfriend and here she is all these months into therapy and she she can't yeah. connect that maybe there's a deeper uh gr- there's some grief behind that for her yeah. right like right like she's just right. you know she's just rotten about it so so much so that it comes up again when she's laying in bed with the children listening to don who's broken over roger's heart attack and she starts bitching about it again Nothing's gonna nothing's gonna stop the Gloria hate train. Yeah. 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 And and um she gets Don alone because the suitcase needs help or whatever. Um to to really vent about this this Gloria and what it means and, and you can understand from Betty's standpoint, like this is the way the character's drawn. She misses her mom, she's not ready to move on. She's she resents Gloria's presence clearly, and she's very very open about that. Don's advice it's kind of the right advice in this case. Like, let him have it. Yeah. Like, let it. Like you've you've gotta you you have to come to terms with this. There's no, there's no fighting this. This isn't something you can. There's nothing not right. So not right about this that you need to step in and prevent. Like, you you need you need you need to learn to live with this. There's also a there is a and he and he actually identifies this. There is a fundamental truth about. Um, Many men, in our, in and particularly then, but it you know to a degree through the through through our times, yeah, literally couldn't couldn't take couldn't live couldn't take care of themselves. Men remarry 
re- like really fast. And it's, you know, when you see somebody who's been married for 40 years or whatever, and then, and then in three months they're already with somebody and in a year they're married, that always from the outside looks weird. But it, it, is, a, it is a very common thing, um, particularly the longer they've been married. It's like, what, you know, what I'm good at is having a wife, <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. I've been taking care of my whole life. First, my mom, then my wife. And if, if, if I don't have someone cooking me dinner, I'm going to eat like I'm still in the army. You know, I'm going to open a can of something. Yeah. You know, like that's all I can do. <laughs> so, when, my, when, my, when my mother, I remember when my mother was dating my stepfather. Now, he had been a bachelor. The short version of the long story is he was actually her her boyfriend when he was 17 and she was 16 and then she married my father and then they started dating in and he lived in the he lived in Manhattan and in his refrigerator was malamars and cheese there you go you take out the malamars and i think you have gene right <laughs> no different um no different well there would so, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be malamars in the summer yeah really and you know what I'm kind of picking up on, and I'm I'm kind of picking up on this now as we're talking about it, is it's a lot about transitions. It's a lot about the passing of one part of your life to another. It's certainly about age and youth, and and there is a lot of father daughter stuff. Uh, but I also see like that transition, that transition of Gene from being married to whatever's next for him. With Kennedy Nixon, it's transitioning from you know a vice president. <clears throat> for the past eight years to a new generation, clearly with, with the age thing. Obviously, Kennedy wasn't any younger than Nixon, but he was um, certainly younger than Eisenhower. So there was a generational transition there. And Nixon was of the, I mean, it, it's true. Their ages were not very different. And yet Nixon was clearly of the older. Yeah, the status quo. He'd been in the, you know, that was the administration that had been throughout the 50s. So it was really, it, it was really an extra term for Ike if you were voting for Nixon, no question. Um, and then I think Mencken's also was very much about your customers don't go there anymore. You think you think people are going to resist what we're saying, and what we're saying is you don't necessarily know the people anymore. So that's that's a huge transition. And then, of course, um, you know, it gets more explicit, I think, as we get into Roger's health uh, uh, issues and his heart attack. Dan, I think you have hit on something here. I really do. I think I think you're right. Ding, I'm, ding, ding, I'm ding. sort of looking at you know. Uh, I think I think transitions is very much what what the age versus I had it as age versus youth and fathers and daughters. But really, you're right. I think you're right. I think the larger theme of that is transitions and how we handle them and how we resist them. Right, you've got yeah. uh, Gene going right yeah. in, go, going right in, and and Betty, Betty not all in. In fact, the whole the whole Roger and Don um, getting busy late at night on the Friday of the long weekend was a reaction to losing Doctor Charles, wasn't it? I I was gonna say I remember Don comes yeah. in, and that's when Roger's like, "We gotta, we gotta move past." That's this. right. He was getting his hair cut. Um, but no, I think um, so. <laughs> I think Roger should have gotten his hair cut every episode. <laughs> when he's not making a speech, he should be he should be getting his hair cut. <laughs> no, I think um one of the things I kept asking myself at the end of the episode is why is Don so broken now? And, you know, I I I want to get more into that 
when we get to that scene, I don't think I had appreciated before this viewing um, how losing Dr. Scholes had affected him. Again, we've talked about these dominoes, and I think uh, that was the first domino for Don in this in this episode. Yeah, it's sort of the in a way it's kind of the central transition, even though it doesn't feel like that big of a deal to us. It's not like we were witness to very much Dr. Scholes account business coming going going back but um yeah it, it sets in motion a lot of the stuff and it's that transition from you know they they each say it right the day you get an account the day you start losing them they they echo each other don and roger right and also uh, you know the, it came from pete so there's that there's that young there's that young sticking it to old again right mm-hmm. so pete was all too delighted to tell Don and Don kept his shit together and he said the day you get an account is the day you start to lose it and then the door closes and he throws all the shit off his desk you know and yeah. you see that anger so I just never really the, the 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 rest of the episode starts to be this journey through you know Roger and the twins mm-hmm. and and you know into this long sort of long days really this really sort of long, long day's journey into night <laughs> right yeah, um, exactly. That's the way it felt. And um, you know, and then Joan and her and her storyline, Joan and Carol and right. all of that. But but for Don, it starts with uh, you know the thing with the thing with Jean and Betty and all of that didn't affect that. That was not what's that was not where it started for Don. I don't think. No. I don't think anything there messed with him. No, that would be the last time this episode Don had an answer for anything. <laughs> What? Why don't you say more about that? Don is fucking useless. Other than slapping Roger to remember his wife's name and not the girl he was just banging, he's you know he's of no use. There's there's six or eight times in this episode when someone asked Don a question of importance, whether it's Betty on the phone. Why why don't they tell you that? Why is it so hard? My mother's gone. Why is my dad doing this? And he is absolutely unable to do the anything of comfort at all don's answer don says i don't know nine times this episode in response to someone asking him why something starting with roger when roger's in the bed and i wish i had written more of this down but i did not but don's just like this fountain of uselessness people are asking him questions in their hour of need perhaps um he doesn't have a single answer and and i think he's i think witnessing roger's event um, I mean, clearly it's shaken him. That's what takes him to Rachel Mencken's apartment. But I think he's confronted with the fact that he doesn't have answers for anything. This is a guy who walks around all day looking like he's got the answer to the universe. So to him, uh, or rather to, to me as the viewer, I'm looking at it and going, yeah, you're no Superman, dude. You, you've, got, you've, got, you've got no answers. You literally don't know. That's all you say. In the second half of this, your wife's name is Mona. He had that great practical solution moment of, you know, first call an ambulance and second slap mm-hmm. your wife's name is Mona. And that <laughs> he was a man of action. That was, yeah. I mean, that was that was a, a sort of you. Know, it was it was call an ambulance and then get the hell out of here. And then right, right. so he was in action in terms right. of the solution. I know how. Yeah, you know, I I know how to not get you caught cheating. That's right. <laughs> I can I can handle that. That's right. That. But you're right. It it it, it was it was these existential questions that the minute the shit comes down, he's got nothing. he's got nothing. And I again, I'm this whole season. 
you know, he's, he says to Midge or Midge says to him or, or whatever about, you know, your life's always falling apart. We, we had talked about that several mm-hmm. episodes back. Yeah. There's this, That's so true. you know, there, there was the, the, the big fight with him and Betty, which, uh, you know, in um, Red in the Face, it seemed to be a new depth of something between them being broken. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there's been this, we've been watching slowly, and, and of course. Yeah, there's hints at things. There's all these little hints and so what brings that in? Adam. First getting mm-hmm. seen and then Adam. And there's all these good things happening, you know, which is how life works, right? We get, you know, we get lots of good things happen, but we focus on the one bad one. But he's had some, you know, he's getting money. He's getting bonuses. He's winning accounts. It's the account he loses that has him flipping out. It's the copy he almost didn't come up with that had him at a crisis point. At the core of it, he's living this secret and we don't know the depths because we're watching as you've said you know several times he's not saying this we're we're figuring it out he's not saying my brother adam showed up who i ignored <laughs> since i was a child because yeah. i've been pretending i'm someone else and he thought i was dead except turns you know none of that's getting said yet it affects every single thing he's done practically seems like it affects every single thing he's done and we end up and i'll just go there now he goes to Rachel Menken. Now, mm-hmm. I have been accused of believing that Rachel Menken is the love of his life. And I don't know that I believe that. Well, a lot of us believe that. And I think I know why we believe that. As I've said, you know, Don walks around being admired by people who don't know him, including Rachel. You know, when he, when he says, uh, who do you want going to your store? And she's like, people, your kind of people, Mr. Draper. So that's how Don lives life. I think we love Rachel because she because she didn't throw herself at Don. That that's the thing. Um, uh, you know, we Don's someone who has people throwing themselves at him in life, and uh, Rachel was thoughtful about it. She was no less attracted to him than other people, but she was the one who had a moral center to say this isn't right. I don't want to do this. I mean, she gave into it. <laughs> we see that here. Um, and it, and it's shocking to me looking back that it was 10 episodes yeah, yeah. for them to get together. Right. It felt like they were together the entire season and they were not. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All of that's true. I mean, I do, I, I believe Re- Rachel is significant. I just, I don't know that I categorize things anymore or, 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 you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think love of his life is, uh, I think he loves Betty. I think, you know. It's just not. It's just not how I see it. But I do see kindred spirits, and I do see he certainly admires her. Um, he's certainly drawn to her. He's certainly taken by her. I mean, she shows up, and that's you know she has remained on his mind for sure. And in some weird way, um, he's not going to Midge's anymore. That seems to he really did leave her with Roy. I do think that he has convinced himself that Rachel is the love of his life or a love of his life. And I think in a weird way, (laughs) he's made himself sort of monogamish for her. He's not with Midge anymore. He's not, uh, he's not with Eleanor, the twin. Right. I think there's a, there's a, again, a weird way because he's, you know, married. So, and I don't have the quote exactly, but he says to her in her apartment, you you see me, you know me, you know everything about me. Now Rachel right. says, 
basically what you talking about Willis like no <laughs> like what do you mean for whatever for whatever it is or isn't worth he feels seen and known by Rachel in this pivotal moment in his you know enter Rachel at the same time essentially in his life these are all just a few months as enter Adam and he there is I have no doubt in my mind that whoever he's been with before or since he's never said what he said about his own origin what you're saying goes right back to the pilot, where he says, in virtually in real time, uh, she identifies. I, 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 because of Jewishness, perhaps uh, I think was the, the context. I know what it's like to feel, and I forget the word that she used, either displaced or out of touch or whatever it was. And she says, "I think you do too, Mr. Draper. I don't know what it is you really believe." But I do know what it feels like to be out of place, to be disconnected, to see the whole world laid out in front of you the way other people live it. There's something about you that tells me you know it, too. I think he's responded to that from virtually their first meeting, even though that was their second meeting. Um, and as always, that that's what drew her to him as being so different and so worthy of of the pursuit that's that's been going on all season is no, no, this one gets me. This is not even, you know, Midge might get me in this way. Betty gets me in this other way. I think Rachel is like, gets right to the core for Don. One of the sort of sub themes that I saw in this episode is the idea of translucence. You've got Roger uh, saying that Mirabelle's skin is translucent later in the, hospital don says to roger you look like paper and then don saying to rachel they essentially you can see right through me <laughs> i i really loved um rachel is so you know again her response was like no i don't i don't i just met you mm. and she's so grounded um and that is that is she i yeah, she, she's she's very present. She's very, you know, I think it's very clear throughout and particularly in this episode that she wants to just say, yes, yes, I do, whether it's true or not, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And I, I've really, that's something it just personally, I have adopted into my, into my life, into my relationships and friendships is, is um, when I, when I was younger, it was, oh, my God, we know each other. We see into each other's souls. We, we could finish each other's sentences. And, I, and, and it took me years to, to, and I have said it to people over, over the last batch of years, wait, ho, you know, just, just a reminder, we don't know each other very well. <laughs> and, you know, partly that reminder is to me. The reality. And I think that's, yeah, and I think that's Rachel's attempt not just to draw to set to try to set a boundary with Don, but just re note to self. I don't know that. Like I want to get swept up in it, but note to self, I don't know this man as well as he's telling me I do. <laughs> you I know, mean, yeah. Rachel's never been. Rachel's not one to lose her head, and Don will lose his head. <laughs> you know, at the drop of a hat if if he. But she wants to, and she's about to, and she's, and it's, again, it's, it's, I think it's partly to him and it's partly to herself. Rachel, don't lose your fucking head. You don't know this guy that well. But even when Rachel does something against her better judgment, 
it's she's talking to her sister she's saying no like like she's not jumping in there's no like it's all it's look 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 before you leap so uh whereas don don's not telling anyone anything he's just you know sitting around thinking about rachel probably so yeah it's it's a total different uh way way of way of looking at it one more thing about the, about the don and rachel uh scene which was way more surreal than i remember it being it just seemed very surreal to me when when this would happen uh there's big sweepy music too, yeah it has right? a it's, it has a different yeah. vibe it didn't didn't seem like other episode type scenes anyway um i feel like that scene with rachel is intended to feel is shot very similar to the scenes we've seen at Midge's. It's st- like, almost as a way of saying that Rachel's the new Midge. Like Midge is, <laughs> Midge is, Midge is being substituted by, by Rachel here. I flatly disagree. I actually think the surreal quality, the, um, the big music is, is exactly what you don't get at Midge's. Midge's you go in, you don't, you, it's just, it's just Midge. It's just Midge. It's her place. It's kind of messy. Rachel is in like her negligee totally. her hair. Yeah, There's yeah, a dreamy yeah. I quality. I well, the, the similarities to me are we see Don knock on the door of Rachel's, which is clearly not a shabby downtown Greenwich Village door. First of yeah, all. that part I saw it. I was like, oh, "Wait, are we at Midges?" And Somewhere, when they're you know. when they're done in the in the refractory pier, they will. There's that shot of Don lying on Rachel that is, I swear, identical to the shot we've seen of Don lying on Midge. That's possible. And it's and if that and if I'm right that it's identical, then it's obviously not coincidental. So I saw it as like, "Oh, this is like a little Midge reference." Don's just doing what Don does, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it starts to file it under I'm the hobo and <laughs> Kinda. I go where I want and I do what I do and no one can make me not do that. Right. And you know, he's certainly not going to get a, uh, you know, a setup like Midge's where don't call me, I'll call you, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to oh, get no, no, that, no. Kind this of, is... that kind of, uh, that kind of setup. Yeah. So if we accept your theory of the case, the the complete difference is that he's now accepted a fairly big commitment. He knows that. Yeah. He knows that there's a commitment when if it, it, to cross over with with Rachel, right. and yet there's a sameness there for Don as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but to you, I think it was I, I think it was your point about like I think we can say that Midge is gone, which I think we knew after Hobo Code. But this kind of seals the deal. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's, my, that's my linking of the two. Transition, if you will. All right. We have a lot more to cover, right? We want to hit on Pete and Peggy. We definitely want to talk about Joan and the men and Carol. And so let's take a break. Let's break. And we'll come back and do all that. Let's do it. Sounds good. Pete and Peggy. Peggy and Pete. <laughs> so Pete, I, I think, if I recall, it's that he's sniffing around to see if uh, Don has told Roger about Dr. Scholes yet. And Peggy's 
Peggy's not giving it up. She's just, she's done treating Pete like a friend or mm-hmm. like anything, you know, she's. That's because Peggy knows her job. She's discreet about anything to do with Don. So. A and B, she knows she can't trust Pete anymore. True. That's, he's proven that. So Pete, Pete thinks, Pete thinks because they have a thing. Right. And she's like, because we don't have a thing. Right. Truly. <laughs> Every time I think we have a thing, you say we don't have a thing, and then now you're acting like we have a thing. Right. And then and then he gaslights her. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to read through this whole little dialogue just because these lines are so great. Should we role play it? Maybe I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Pete. I'll be Pete and you be Peggy. So there's this great Buffy episode where they switch genders. I want to be Pete. You want to be Pete? Peggy, dear, I think I understand what this is about, but you're not being professional right now. Not believe I'm in this conversation. You think this is easy for me? I don't know. I don't know if you like me or you don't like me. I'm just trying to get along here. Every time I walk by, I wonder if you're going to be nice to me or cruel. Cruel. I'm cracking up that we're doing this. This Cruel. (laughs) What am I supposed to say? I'm married. Yes, I know. I heard all about how confusing that can be. Maybe you need me to lay down on your couch to clear that up for you again. That's some imagination you've got. Good thing you're a writer now. What do you need me for? Hey, Pretty good. But there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Um, well, the first thing is is just how, just how me too ish this is. Because listen, it was. There's no question the consensuality of their relationship to this point. Yeah. It has to do with the gaslighting. That's some imagination you've got. Pete's showing this ability to, to not just turn it off and on, but to sort of acknowledge and then not acknowledge in the course of like a sentence, um, the existence of, of their relationship. Right. That's one thing. And just how, you know, flash forward to today and it's like my word versus yours. It was only us in the room, you know, your word against mine. So I I found that to be really interesting, intentionally or not. Obviously not. Yeah. The second thing. Well, it's a re-victimization. Right. And again, she was not, she was not, she was not victimized by the, by, he he didn't rape her. Like there's no, she was, as you, to, to your point, she was, this was consensual, but. The vic- but she but he but she was a bit of a victim of his again of his cruelty that was yeah. the, his, no, un- his unkindness cruel. he has been and then this is the final you don't even you think you can be autonomous I get to decide if we if we slept together or if we didn't that's right like that's she's not having it she's well Pete, you know. Pete's a, it's a classic and that's why the writing is in just endlessly deft here. Cruel. What am I supposed to say? I'm married. Like, yes. so I can play the, poor, hey, poor hey we've got a thing card because I want you to dish on some information I'm looking for. But now I can play the married card when you tell me I'm cruel because I'm supposed to keep my distance from you. It's really diabolical, right? And that's the part that dovetails into the, the Me Too-ish part of it where that's kind of that power dynamic of I can say we're this, I can say we're that. I can be this when I need it to be. I can be that when I need it to be. It's it's enough to to make someone jump out a window, and that's why. And it brings us back to our 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 grand theme of 
Fuck Pete Campbell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, Pete he's Campbell. not trying to play fair. He's not trying to even be, uh, you know, courteous guy. to her. This is this is more cruelty. I'm married. I don't have to be nice to you. What the fuck is that? The second he's not getting what he wants, because right. what he wants from her is information. He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want Peggy to be. He only wants Peggy to be nice to him right now because he's trying to get something right. out of her, which is information. It has nothing and to do with her. Where, and then this... all of a sudden, he makes it personal. And this is where and Peggy I cannot has believe I'm right... in the middle of this. <laughs> What's that? I I cannot I cannot believe I am in this conversation. I know. It's really one <laughs> That's of great. a great line. <laughs> but I think it's where where we can say that Peggy shuts the door. On wish on waiting and wishing for Pete, she will not be like looking, looking longingly, waiting to see how he comes in the office in the morning, right? Like she did in Hoboken. I'll take it one further. It's that she's already shut the door. This door was shut prior to this conversation. We just hadn't seen that yet. Okay. It, it probably happened that that morning, the morning after. The morning after the in the hobo code when she's sitting there all, you know, came in early, just oh, like I she see. had the morning before. She waited for him and he blew her off with his little mm-hmm. pack of hyenas. That's when she said, no, no. OK, I'm sure now. Right. Now I'm sure we're done. This mm-hmm. is just the first time we've seen we've seen it. Them interact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you can make a case for if he were to act like a human being toward her. Consist with consistency, I don't know that she'd shut the do- she shut the door to that, you know, or that they can be professional colleagues and be courteous to one another. Right, and let's go back to the beginning of this of this dialogue. Pete is asking her for something in the office, and <laughs> by the way, inappropriate, and she is saying no mm-hmm. appropriately, totally. and he says, "Peggy, dear." I think I understand what this is about, but you're not being professional right now. (laughs) Right? So she does something completely professional and he accuses it of being, of you're being a vengeful bitch, basically. More me too. And that's when she, and that's where she says, I cannot believe I'm in this conversation. Right. I thought I I flushed this guy down the drain. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like we were, like we were like, (sighs) anyway, fuck Pete Campbell. Let's just look at the events that lead up to Roger's heart attack from the Roger perspective. We've seen the Don perspective of how he ends up in Rachel's arms, which is it starts really with the loss of Dr. Scholl and how hard that is. And it takes us all the way through Roger's heart attack and his inability to, as you said, answer these existential questions. Um, Mm -hmm. And he ends up in Rachel's arms with Roger. Different set of dominoes different set of dominoes and the domino is just like in red in the face roger wanted to see joan this weekend Mm -hmm. and joan has seen the film the apartment which is on our list of great films if you have not seen it although talk about some rough stuff and joan brings that up but she's pissed at roger for whatever it is she's pissed at roger it's 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 undefined it almost doesn't matter she's pissed at roger's existence and in these monogamish and not at all i mean joan sees other people she's made that clear and we're going to get into that and it, you know we're going to get up a close and personal with that but she's pissed at roger roger's not charming her into this <laughs> into this idea can we just say again in some of the in one of the more hilarious uh the the scene of you know miss holloway can i can i see you? 
<laughs> and they walk along and it's that same wonderful music from the yeah. from the lipstick uh, focus group where, you know, do, 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 do. I would like to get a look at those. Yeah, and <laughs> all of that. I mean, that's Roger. Roger cracking himself for the, for the up. benefit of whoever's sitting at their desk. That's right. They go into Roger's office and and Ro- and Joan leaves that door open and she's 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 pissed at him. And so that I think is Roger's first domino is that Roger's got once again Mona Mona and Margaret are away for the weekend and Roger wanted to see Joan and Joan was a no. So next next thing is shave and a haircut and some twins. Mhm. And just like in Red in the Face, he really dominates Don into participating in this. Don's like, I, I got to go the whole time. Right. I got to go. I got to go. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with these twins. Well, what I, what I love is with Don, to walk upstairs and like pick up a set of twins from casting is just Don in a million years. That's not how he – he doesn't roll that way. <laughs> I don't – I think the youth really – is turns him off. Right. Roger's got a midlife crisis going on that Don does not. You have such beautiful skin. My God, I just want to eat it. <laughs> exactly. And Roger's the one with a daughter practically the same age. He says that. Right. Um, and, Don, and Don is not. Don has little children. Mm-hmm. But Don is, I think part of it is that Don is kind of keeping himself a little monogamish for Rachel. He's definitely grossed out by the whole thing. The yeah. whole, ooh, let's make the twins kiss. I mean, right. Ugh. Yeah. Right. Don is Don is not having any. Don is not enjoying any of this. Right. Um, but for his own self, he mm-hmm. he just I think he doesn't want this very young woman. In re- in real life, were, were these real flesh and blood people and not characters? Don does not stay. But in the course of the story, Don has to stay. So he's there when Roger has his heart attack. <laughs> in fact, Don is leaving. Right. Don is actively getting trying to extricate himself because he's now he's outside he's not in the same room with roger and he's going to try and leave but i think in real life don doesn't even hang around roger says you know come be my wingman be my bait something something the effect of be my bait and i think i do think that don has a we've already seen he has a hard time saying no roger is his boss i think don's out of there five minutes after the girls get upstairs if this were real life I do because because we agree he does not want to be there and I don't I think he will do the minimum required of him and then once once Roger has a fish on the hook mission accomplished. You know we've also already ascertained that the air conditioner gets shut off at five o'clock. I've been in offices usually oh, sure. at seven or eight o'clock they cut the air because right. people at least in advertising now you know don't don't leave work at five. But I've been there when it's like oh crap can I take my shirt off is there anybody here. <laughs> So then we've got Joan's, Joan's journey. I feel like I'm stuck somewhere between Doris Day and Pillow Talk and Midnight Lace. And what I need to be is Kim Novak and just about anything. And then there's the 1960, I'm so over you. Right, well, that's what everyone has said. And then, of course, you get Carol confessing her years-long love for Joan. One of the things that I found heartbreaking there was, it's Carol saying, I'm, I'm so happy right now. Like... She's just been fired, and Joan has been there all day for her. Now, I actually found Joan's entire approach insensitive and horrible. Of like, let's put our let's put our big smiles on and go party. And I'm like, oh god! Like, if a friend spoke to me that way after I just came and said I'm having a horrible day, 
I would I would not be friends with that person. Right. You want someone who's going to say, let's go get buckets of ice cream and just sit and watch, you know, a movie. Or just, right? like, yeah, honey, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Not like smile through it, right? But right. whatever, parent Carol has been, Carol has been undermined by Joan all these years and she just is d- desperately in love with her. Right. We do have a couple of sad gays in this in this show <laughs> so far. Um, I've examined and I've examined and I've examined the this scene in this moment, and I've wanted to hate Joan for how she responded to Carol, which is to look at her and say, "You've had a hard day, mm-hmm. and now let's go pick up cement and really be like, you did not, you did not say what you just said." Uh, yeah, this, I'm not hearing way. any of what you're saying. We're not. We are not. It's Peggy again. I cannot believe I'm in this conversation, right? The look on Joan's face, and I think the camera stays on Joan's face the whole time. And I think it's just Christina Hendricks doing, like, everything with nothing. The wheels are spinning as fast as they can. No, she's taking it in. It's going through. What do I do? Where am I going to put this? How do I extricate myself, number one? I do not want to have this conversation, and I will not have this conversation. And I think the parallel to be drawn to Roger and Don, which is sort of, <laughs> which is reluctant wingmen, <laughs> right? Oh my God, you're he's right. Dragging, oh, Dan, he's dragging that's Carol really good. To for a party and 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 giggles, the same way that Don uh, Roger's dragging Don into adventure. Oh, you're very right about that. Right. I and and you're the one, and you you had said a few episodes back. Joan and Roger see the world very much yep, the same right. through they the same are, lens. They are doing the same thing to their respective wingmen, which is dragging them, kicking and screaming into trouble. <laughs> Joan, in her weird way, I think thinks she's being kind, although she's also getting her own. Yeah. Her own. Uh, th- her own needs met revenge. that are not from Roger. Her, right. Yeah. And, and a, with, with, a t- with a side of revenge, yeah. I think. I can do this. You but, um, but of course he does. And the other thing is, of course, Joan in a million years. I mean, it's good to have a second person with you. It it certainly is. But Joan doesn't need Carol to meet men. Roger needs Don to to pick up well, women. Yeah, and it's nice to not have to not have Carol's head in the oven when you walk in the apartment with a guy. Also, that <laughs> which which it's hard not to see that that's how Carol ends up. I, really, right? Yeah. Later, we see that the men that they do bring home. And, you know, Joan wastes no time. Ruthless <laughs> uh, efficiency. <laughs> you know, I don't know if once a week she just she just um, pull, puts that dead light bulb in before she goes out. Right? I don't know. It's, <laughs> but are you talking about at her apartment I was, or at the office? I'm sorry. At her apartment because oh, okay, the line is I've got a light bulb I need changing. Right. There's also this moment in the apartment with these guys where Joan says – something to the effect of I love words. It was an interesting window into something about Joan that that I wasn't expecting and 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 Joan who has dismissed and dismissed Peggy's desire to write. But Joan loves words. So Franklin, you're into language. Yes, well, it's kind of a hobby of mine. I do carpentry. I'm building a dry sink. I love language. Words, no ways. Well, this is just bad speech. I collect it. 
the main thing is Carol's role and, and, and again, heartbreaking and fine, do whatever you, do want. you want. And, right. you know, the, and, and how many times have they, have they gone through this? But this was the worst one because of what she got up all her nerve in the world to say to Joan. And here we are. Through today's lens, that's a cruel thing. I mean, if that would happen today, if your supposedly heterosexual roommate comes out to you or really just confesses their love for you and maybe joan knew that maybe joan knew carol was what was lesbian maybe not carol comes in to the office and joan says are you late again oh right, <laughs> right. There, there's a clue picking up these men is not new behavior the, this is all new territory and carol herself she's just in love with joan today we would expect a character to have more compassion for the person who's saying they're in love with them, right? You wouldn't make them go out and just ignore it. And like, I'm going to ignore this. I expect you to ignore it. So let's go ignore her together and act like you're straight all over again. Okay, good, good. We're good. Let's go back. I do want to say, though, that if what people expected was compassion, coming out wouldn't even be a thing. People now can hope for compassion, but if, I mean, listen, not everybody's journey is different and everybody's coming out is different, but it still doesn't go well sometimes. And I mean, and then, and then you watch, you watch, you watch the, some, some television trajectory of it. I mentioned Buffy earlier, go back to Buffy. I don't know if you watched or not. Willow had to tell Buffy and they were roommates and it and it was and Buffy got all like, oh, oh, OK. She wasn't saying I'm in love with you. She's saying I'm in love with Tara. It's the 90s and it's still presented as acceptable to have for Buffy to have a first not great reaction while she sorts it out and comes mm. back better. And I don't know where this falls on the spectrum of coming out, but it felt like the point was what I want you to know isn't that I'm lesbian. It's that I love you. I think that's right. Similar to what Brian Bat said to us in our interview about Sal. I don't think that Carol is walking around necessarily with the word lesbian in her. She just knows she loves Joan. That's right. That's all. Mm -hmm. And she was filled with joy and so filled with the moment. And it sort of yeah. goes back to that thing of what I was saying about Don and Rachel. You have those moments where you just know what the other person feels. And Carol had it really wrong but it mm -hmm. took her all those years to get to that point of happiness where she felt like she could do it right. and then it went as wrong as it could go i'm just so happy right now okay are you on the gilbies already <laughs> no i just love this you know being with you so the other piece i wanted to bring up though about the joan and the men is the age of the man she hooks up with uh, I don't recall his name and I don't care. <laughs> he was not, you know, but he's, you know, it's funny. Uh, John Slattery is only what, a few years older than John Hamm, but, but because of the white hair, he's, he's playing a much older man, which is why he gets to be this really handsome, much older man. Cause he's actually much younger, a much older man, but this guy was old. Yeah. He was older. I don't, yeah. Certainly older. No question. No, I'm not. He wasn't 70s, but he was he was the older of those two men. That whole thing was so funny where those two men didn't know didn't each know other. Each other. And... <laughs> and that's great writing, right? Like, you don't have to put that in there. That is that yeah, is very that's... intentionally there. It's like, it's... oh, no, we're not like I'm not his wingman and he's not my wingman. Right. <laughs> but we're no, they, we're, they were like, 
we're going to wing for each other because there's women here. Yeah, no, that was a fabulous detail. Um, but, um, but anyway, he, but the, but he's, he's older and, and, and that brings us to, you know, the, the last scene of with Joan and Bert. Um, so now Joan's gotten the phone call and she goes into the office because who takes care of things? Joan takes care of things and she sends out correspondences and we know it. She sends out telegrams because Rachel, when Don shows up, Rachel, are you okay? Do, how's Roger? Like she knows because Joan did that. Joan did all that. When I said earlier, ruthless, when I, when I said ruthless efficiency, I thought you were talking about the scene in the office and the ruthless efficiency with which Joan dispatches her boyfriend of the evening. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I'll wait for you. Or, you know, she's like, go, just you're done. We're done here. <laughs> and she, you know, because the office is more important than everything in Joan's life. Listen, that's how she was going to kick him out. Anyway. I know, right. It was, it was going to end that When way. she was done The only difference him. is the venue. Right. I, I totally get that. I agree. So I just, I love, I, I just love the fact that that was written that way for there not to be like a, all right, I'll call you some other time or, you know, well, if I see you around, great. It was like, it was a, it was a, I am now at work. And that scene, and this, this I remember thinking the first time I watched it and it was so poignant, which was when Joan starts typing that shot of her, I think it's in profile. Mm-hmm. And she's, Bert's reading the, the, the names or whatever. And you realize just what a kind of situation Joan has for herself, right? Not only did she just, you know, have guys over the apartment and doing whatever, but she's in this relationship with the boss, the older boss, who, you know, is at an age where coronaries happen. And um, now she has to sit there and write all these telegrams and, and, and do all this correspondence around this event and it's kind of heartbreaking in its own right what what Joan has to sort of do and at that moment you know we don't know what Bert knows about her and Roger no in fact we think we know we think Bert knows nothing yeah that's the assumption the assumption is that's why when Bert says what he says it's so powerful it it hits hard you that's you're, right you're absolutely right i think i think it's a situation where we think we believe the audience knows, Joan knows, Bert does not know. Miss Holloway, I know it's none of my business, but you could do a lot better. He's just a friend. That's not what I'm talking about, my dear. Don't waste your youth on age. There's Joan trying to hold it together. Mm-hmm. Now she knows that Bert knows and she feels, you know, exposed in so many ways the affair is exposed and that she's sleeping with this other older man even though she's having this affair with roger is exposed and that she's been writing all these correspondences and keeping her shit together while it's about roger who she's sleeping with is exposed all of that all in all in the course of two lines of dialogue and joan understands etiquette and decorum and discretion like knows it like religion she understands these things and respects it so the way that Bert is revealing this to her I think she deeply respects when he says it like it it hits her as hard as it hits us and then the and then the shot in the elevator and brings it back to the apartment right 
Fritz brings it back to the apartment, which is about a young woman in, who gets passed around in this office and is disrespected mm. and is independent and fabulous and was in so much pain that she does try to kill herself yeah. in that film. So, you know, which Joan said, and it's just beautiful. It was really beautifully, you know, and it, it, the apartment was an inspiration for season one in, in, a, in several ways. Yeah. And, and Matt has talked about that. Um, so it was nice. It was a nice call back to something you know that just the the look of it the look of those offices and you know and how they're dry you look at it it looks like a, a sort of a light-hearted comedy a light-hearted comedy with a suicide attempt um version it was a big of part Man, of the culture right? it's, it's, it was a big part of the culture yeah. that would be uh of popular discussion you know the way that it was so it, it fit in perfectly uh on that note let us take a quick break Come back with quotes. So I love when Joan and Carol are in the break room and Carol's like, <laughs> Carol's like really despondent, um, losing her job and getting money from her dad and all the rest. And Joan just is trying to cheer her up. Let's go. Let's go do the town kind of thing. And she just has this line, and I love the way she says, she says the city's everything, which is great. Because New York is so, it's not filmed in New York, of course, but New York really does have a place in this series. And Joan is a little bit of a uh, uh, an early Carrie Bradshaw type, and um, it's fun. Great line. I liked it. Well, she also said, I think in the pilot to Peggy, you know, if, if you... If you do everything right, Play you'll end up in right, the suburbs. Yeah. You'll yeah. right. You'll end up married in the suburbs. So that's quite a reveal about what Joan really cares about versus what Joan thinks she's supposed to care about. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's still sex in the single girl time that's time right. of time of the culture. So it was. Uh, I, I just it's it, characters don't speak like that that often in this series. So I, I it perked my ears up when she said it. Okay, Roberta, your quote. My quote. Yeah. Um, Rachel says to Don, is this like some solar eclipse? The end of the world? Just do whatever you want? I think that speaks to, it just really struck me, like, because I am in this, like, why is Don, as I've talked mm -hmm. about, like, why, why, what's Don, what's the freak out? What's the, and again, we're seeing things happen. It's not like I don't think there's any reason yeah. But it also speaks to that she does see that she does see through him because there it is. It's the hobo. You, you something, yeah. you know, he had a bad night. Now he did have a bad night. Okay. His boss did have a heart attack yeah. and he brought him to the hospital. Bad but bad nights happen. That what? This gives you the excuse to do whatever you and want. And that's Rachel's grounding, you know? right? You, that's 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 the best word, you know, is she's grounded. Yeah. She's not losing her head. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it, it. There's so much in it. There's there's her being grounded. There's and there's what she does see about Don, and there's all of that. Mm -hmm. This episode to me is was very very rich and and had a you know it's funny that it had a lot of emotional ups and downs. Um, in in some ways, the least of which, and at least in our telling, is Roger's heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> like neither of us are like, oh god, he had a heart attack. But burying the lead. Yeah, he had a. Heart, it, it wasn't good. 
<laughs> the heart attack wasn't good, right. but it just was. Yeah. No, there it's it, like like I said, I I found the, f- the the pace and the formatting to be different than most episodes, and that the way that it, and we didn't even touch on you know Don's um, you know filling in the gap. We learn about Don's parents. We learn how his how his folks died, uh, who his folks were a little bit. So you know, tons of information there, right? Just kind of dropped on us at the end. Um, so it's it's a you're right. I, I was so. I was so moved by that he said it that I sort of what forgot. Said, yeah, I sort exactly. of lost and over we, you know, what we he said. We can explore that later. I yeah. But um, yeah, this definitely is 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 one of the better episodes of the season for sure. Um, in a crowded, <laughs> a crowded another yeah. one of the top ten or twelve, top five. Um, well, we're also in the last. We're racing to the finish here. We're racing to the finish. So they they each each one gets. There's no slow there's no more slow episodes no, right like we're, we are we're, yeah exactly we're jam-packed we are jam-packed next week indian summer i literally don't remember not a goddamn anything thing. about it <laughs> all righty roberta good stuff let's uh keep it going we'll see everyone next week thanks so much thank you have a great one bye-bye <laughs>